One, two, three, four! Hi, my name is A.D. Silverstein, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Impresario Rock and Roll Radio Show. This episode will feature Ryan Abel and Andrew Heath, and you are listening to 12 Years Howled by their band, Bear Ghost. So, when I was in high school, I had a guitar teacher from Arizona named Jake Schuyler, and the guy was an absolute monster on the guitar. So as I was searching for bands, I figured there must be other good musicians in Arizona. Well, during this search, I made the mistake of sifting through lists from the likes of Paste Magazine that claimed to feature the best new bands in Arizona. I figured that if these were the best bands, Jake was definitely an aberration. Luckily, a headline from the New Phoenix Times caught my eye, which mentioned a band called Bear Ghost, and without even taking the time to read the article, I looked the band up on YouTube. The first song I heard was called 12 Years Howled, and upon hearing it, I knew that I had found the best new band in Arizona, and maybe the United States. Bear Ghost consists of Brian Abel on guitar and vocals, Andrew Heath on bass and vocals, and Mike Buttons on drums. All right, so how did you guys meet? So Andrew and I met the first day of school, eighth grade, August 2001, and uh, I hated him immediately. <laughs> because Rightfully so. He was so energetic, and I think maybe because I was so energetic as well, it was just uh, too much. And my hatred for him lasted all of five minutes until we bonded over Dragon Ball Z, and then we were best friends. Woo! And by the end of that year, I got my first guitar. And uh, then shortly afterwards, he started playing bass, and we just kind of learned to play with one another, and we uh, were in this band. We were called We Are They. Um, it was actually a band that Ryan's math teacher started because he wanted to do like a School of Rock-esque thing at their school. And after they graduated high school, they wanted to continue as a not-school project. And their bass player, I think, one of them left to go to school, and the other one just, I don't remember what happened to him. Yeah, we, yeah, we had two bass players in this band. <laughs> yeah, that, that's important to point out, I guess. <laughs> and uh, we thought we were very cool. Like, I, uh, we didn't understand the concepts of sonic nature, so we were like, this is this will work. And uh, I, looking back on it, it's so embarrassing. I think of every sound guy ever just being like, what is happening? <laughs> so at what point did Bear Ghost come about? So our other band, We Are They, was kind of on the outs and we were past, we, we were way past time to break up and it just ended up being time for us to start something new. And so the existing drummer for that band and Ryan and I decided to start a new project. And as we were writing, we decided that we needed a fourth member just because Ryan always writes for at least two guitar players. So we needed to fill out those extra layers somewhere. So we ended up calling Thomas, who we met on tour in Texas, and he was great. So we just decided to call him and Ryan was like, Hey, do you want to move out to Arizona and completely abandon your life? And he said, yeah, sure. So he came out to Arizona and, uh, joined our band and it was awesome. He's recently left. So we're now back to being a three piece, but we're, we have plans to fill out that sound for a live environment. And I think it's going to be great. One, two, 
So Ryan, I know that you're a big Elvis fan, and that's interesting because I don't really hear that so much in your music. Um, but in what ways would you say that Elvis has been a big influence on you? Ooh, without sounding like too much of a nerd, Elvis from like 1954 to 1958, just uh, just visually and musically has been a huge influence on me just because... You know, he didn't write his own music. He took songs that were popular at the time, which is what most artists were doing at that time. And uh, he just reimagined them uh, with all of these different influences that he loved. You know, he was into gospel and, and, and uh, hillbilly or rockabilly at the time, blues, uh, jazz, all of that kind of stuff, and just tried to make it into this music that made him want to move. And that's my favorite kind of music to this day is just music where I don't care what genre it is. If it's, if it, if it evokes any sort of emotion in me, any sort of a movement, it makes me feel good and I want to do it. And you can see him having fun in those early years on stage while bringing this kind of music to somebody. And I just, I want to do that. I want to write music that makes me feel that way. And at the time people couldn't categorize it and not to you know toot our own horns, but we get that all the time where people don't know how to categorize our music, and that, that makes me feel like I'm doing exactly what I want to do. So I think the first song that I ever heard by you guys was 12 Years Howled. And I've always loved the way that song sets like an expectation with the opening surf rock riff, but then quickly defies it. Like you think you know what you're hearing and then you start listening to it and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> right. And I, like, I want to know how that song was written and what, what it's about. Uh, that song was one of the first songs I wrote for Bear Ghost. And uh, I was just, I wanted songs that were riffy. And they were fun. And so surf is a, a genre that I always loved because it kind of feeds on all of your expectations of what uh, melody and, and, and riff-wise should be. But then they have these cool other chords. And I was like, I just want to do something like that moving forward. So I started off with the sur surf riff and then tried to put in notes here and there that subverted expectations. But at the same time, I was also going for a pop punk rock feel with like big melodic hooks. And uh, I basically conveyed that to Andrew and I was like, I want it to be fun. So he started writing lyrics. <laughs> the actual, the, the main draft of lyrics, like there were some small tweaks that came from it, but the first draft of lyrics for that song that I wrote, I wrote in our living room as a joke in like 12 minutes. And I was like, look, guys, look how funny this is. And they're like, no, this is great. We're using this. And I was like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> so Andrew's just like, yeah, so it's going to be fun. I want a song about this kid going to to a dance for his first time. And he's really excited. He's got, you know, this date that he's taking and he's nervous and, you know, he's going to go to a school dance. That'll be the fun of it. And so we're like, that's really cool. So he's reading me off these lyrics. He's just like, yeah, we're walking to school. You know, she, she looks so good in the glow of the full moonlight. And I was like, oh my God. And he was like, what? And I was like, you got to tell me this kid turns into a werewolf. And he's like, <laughs> what? And I was like, it's a full moon. He has to turn into a werewolf. And he's like, how would that work? And I was like, I don't know. The chorus is him killing everybody in school. And he was like, 
yeah, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. And uh, that's how that, like, lyrically, that song came about. I don't think he knows he's a werewolf at the beginning. I guess I, guess I didn't really think about that at the time. But In the second verse, he doesn't know that he, yeah, was, like that he, he, he killed everybody. It's, it starts off, and he's just really excited. He's going to go to the dance. He asks this girl out, and it's the whole seventh grade awkward phase where you don't really know what you're doing. Um, but at the dance, he turns into a werewolf and kills everybody at the dance and wakes up the next morning not remembering any of it. Um, and then just gets, you know, like a newspaper headline and ends up going to the funeral and everything, which somehow there's another full moon at, yeah, (laughs) there's another full moon the (laughs) next night where he kills everybody at the funeral. And, um, the whole last chorus is just him lamenting. Yeah. Just like, I don't want to be doing this, but I can't stop it. There's nothing that he can do because apparently it's a full moon every night. So then he kind of wishes for death and then the music takes you out on a happy, uh, surf rock and roll note. (laughs) inside a monster living in a dead eternity so another song that i love by you guys is your newest song haunt the cartoon heart and as with a lot of your music it, ha- it sort of has this like fun cartoonish veneer but beneath that it's like is very intricate and like reflects a lot of the band's kind of eclectic taste so what's that song about and how is that written that song is about the heart of a person who I think is is emotionally damaged and distressed and doesn't really want to try anymore. And, but their heart still does. Their heart is just captive. So it, event, it ends up escaping this person and falls in love. And it's chasing this woman that it's in love with. And uh, the body kind of comes to and there's like a Tom and Jerry sort of standoff where they're battling and it's symbolism of logic versus emotion. And in the end, because they're unstable as a whole, they end up scaring the woman off that the heart was leaping towards. And they basically reconnect and they're just like, well, at least we have each other and that's all we're going to have. So that's just another example of our music, just having deep, sad lyrics in a super shiny cartoony veneer, as you said, which was great. So I feel like that's a recurring theme in your music. Why is it that these light and cartoonish songs have such dark and sad lyrics? For us, there's always humor to be found in even the darkest of situations. Like, that's that's how you move on from the hardest things. So that's how we move on from the hardest things, is learning how to make jokes about everything. You know, usually when there's, like, a, a trauma or something really upsetting that happens to one of us, the first thing we do is sit down and just start joking about it immediately because it just helps us kind of cope with it. Yeah, it gives um, it less power if you can talk about it openly and then kind of snicker at it. Not that it's not a serious thing you know being emotionally distressed and uh resigned isn't good for anybody to the point where you don't want to try anymore but it's everything in life is uh, like cartoonishly exaggerated as it is and the idea of falling in love and fighting with yourself over it that's it's like the it's the hardest that's the that's the most inner turmoil that i've i've ever gone through you know it's probably the most inner turmoil that most people go through from the outside it's so much easier for someone to be like, all right, dude, <laughs> like pull it together and grow up here. But from the inside, it's always the hardest thing you're going through. Like, and it's, and it consumes your whole worldview at that time. 
Well, and then even when you when you look back on it in hindsight, you're just like, I can't believe I was so stupid to get so upset about something like that. Right. So it's it's fun to put that into a musical format. So is playing in a band your full-time gig? And if so, how do you guys deal with healthcare or, you know, just surviving as musicians? It's not easy. It's weird because you want mu- uh, making music to be your full-time gig, but yeah, that's not going to, that's not going to pay for anything that you just mentioned. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to find other ways to supplement your income at, a, at, a, at the point we're at, we're walking this fine line between playing music for fun and pushing it as our full-time hopeful career. And then, having to dedicate a whole nother two thirds of our life to another job that we don't want to be fucking working. So, uh, I don't personally have healthcare. I clean, uh, pools. It's just as sexy as it sounds. And it, it pays, it pays me enough to pay for my rent and pay for my groceries and then save money so that I can continue putting money into the band and hopefully tour again. Um, I was the, that was the asshole that decided to go get a real job and, you know, yeah, take time away from the band. <laughs> well, that's funny because I, I was cleaning pools with Brian and it got to a point where, you know, I was just like, we hit what I felt was a standstill at the time. And this was years ago. And I was just like, I need to do something. So I was the one that took that step forward. And then Blasterpiece came out and we had more responsibility as a band and more things to do and more shows coming up. And then I was the one that was always like, I can't, I got to work. I got to do this. So, um, I had a I had a rough go with that, and so now now we're at this point where we have this bright spot where we're like we we've, we've been out on the road and we can see how positive that is and how sustainable that can be. Um, it's rough. I mean, I I still have that job, and I'm the one that is you know really just like oh I got to keep my benefits and I have a house and I got to pay my mortgage. And yeah, stuff that like is that. true. So, Andrew has a mortgage and he has his benefits <laughs> and he has a, you know he works he works a really a really good job for police dispatch and then Buttons is a is an IT guy. Yeah. And uh you know so he also he he they they make re- they make really good money. We're not doing bad, but it's like if we were, were to quit our jobs and just go off of music, no matter how successful we are in our scene, no matter how many people are coming to see us at the shows that we play abroad, we still wouldn't have that kind of money. So it's 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 really hard to balance that. You have to you really just have to go for it, and that's kind of that's what we're trying to do right now. Mm-hmm. So going off of that, what would you say your end goal is as a band? In terms of an end goal, I don't know if we necessarily have an end goal. I think that we just want we want to make music that makes people have as much fun as we have playing it. And we we experienced some of that on our tour. We were playing in full rooms full of people that were jumping around and dancing to our music, and that's the that's best my end in the goal. World. I just want to do that. I yeah. want to I want to I want to have another show where we play in Fort Worth, Texas, where we've never played, and we have fifty people standing in line for an hour to meet us afterwards because they couldn't wait to come see the show. Like that's that's so amazing to me, and I think even with that level of success, we can create a living off of that. If I made as much money as I make cleaning pools right now, which is not exorbitant. Uh, I could pay for all of my bills and then I could continue doing what makes me happy to live, you know? So my final question is, given the hardship involved in being a professional musician, what drives you to do it? I'm excited to see what we come up with next, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's constantly fun. And the way it evolves between the three of us is just... I, I wouldn't know how to have these songs pop in my head and not put them out in some form or another. 
And the fact that I have an outlet to put it out to people is wonderful. But we get to create and then sit in a room with our friends and then embellish on one another's creations and then put that out. And we just happen to be in a good enough place where people get to tell us how good it is. And that always feels good. Validation feels great. But our self-validation is really what we're looking for here. And it, and it fills a huge uh, sense of happiness in our life. It would have been, been a lot easier to give up doing music. But, at the, like, I mean, just for the, the uh, smoothness of our lives. But you can't, we can't. It's impossible. It's something that resides with... Any musician would say that. It's not something you can give up. Picasso once said that the chief enemy of creativity is good sense. And while I'm sure that Andrew and Ryan would be among the first to agree with this statement... As Ryan just said, creativity in music is not something he could ever give up. It's a part of who he is. And while life is often difficult for creative people, it's important that the rest of us do whatever we can to support them, because our lives would be a lot less sweet without the fruits of their labor. Next time on the Impresario Rock and Roll Radio Show. Look, before we got signed, I'm not naming any names here, but plenty of people that we know that are close to us had that chat, that talk. Look, you know, I know you love doing this, and have you really thought about sorting your life out? You're taking, basically, you're taking this huge risk, you know, messing around with this music thing. It's, you know, and they're trying to let us down gently. And I think they'd probably still be having that conversation now, right? But it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Because to work in the creative industries isn't seen as a valid form of a job. Tune in to the season finale of the Impresario Rock and Roll Radio Show with Band of Skulls. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Bear Ghost. If you liked what you heard, please download the podcast and write us a review. And if you're feeling extra affectionate, follow us on Instagram at impresario underscore official. Also, I'm always looking for new bands to interview, so if you know of any, shoot me an email at aaron.impresario at gmail.com.